Welcome into Hoopsville, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. It is our 14th season debut, we believe. We are not 100% sure if we're accurate on that. We've been wanting to do the math and try to look it up. It could be our 15th, but we're going with 14, and welcome into the show. Another season of Division Three basketball ahead of us here from the NABC WBC studios. Of course, Hoops are presented by D3Hoops.com. I am your host, Dave McHugh. I will be your host for the rest of the season, as always. We appreciate you taking the time to join us here. We have a lot to talk about before the season even starts, and so we hope you will join us on social media and ask us questions. You can do so quite easily at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville on the Twitter accounts. You can go to Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We are monitoring that page as well. And you can certainly join us on Instagram, though I'll freely admit we don't uh, we don't watch that during the show. Instagram's at D3Hoopsville as well. Um, we also uh, have, well, you can email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Forgive uh Forgive the little bit of the windburn look on my face. Spent a couple of days uh, out in the elements calling soccer games at McDaniel College. Congratulations to the Green Terror Women's Soccer Program, who is moving on to the third round of the NCAA tournament next week. Um, and then, of course, we've had football this weekend. D3 football has been busy with a selection show happening just a short time ago, if you're watching us live. Um, so it's been a busy Division Three week, to say the least. Um Lots to cover, lots to figure out, lots to discuss, as it were. Um, we've had uh, an interesting coaching carousel in the offseason. No major rules to talk about, like we were pretty busy with last year, as obviously we're now in the middle of the rules cycle. We won't get any new rules until next year for the most part. There's uh, enforcements and, and hey, can you, can you keep an eye on this type things? Uh, but nothing major uh, at this time. Um Noticing our audio might be a little low, so bear with me here as I try and uh, fix that for you so you can hear us a little bit better. Um, if you have any questions, again, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. I think the uh, coaching carousel officially began, though some moves took place before we went off the air last year. Uh, but obviously with the big move of Paige Moyer at Roanoke resigning, uh, he's not technically retired, but he has stepped away uh, on his own from Roanoke, and uh, we helped break the news that Clay Nunley of Randolph ended up taking that job. It was one of many coaching decisions in the offseason. There are, there are so many, we can't hit them all to be sure. Um, but a couple of them that certainly stood out to us. Excuse me. Uh, Prince of Pia's uh, men's basketball coach um, retired at the end of February. Interesting enough, Prince of Pia's women's basketball team Decided to scuttle the season this year. Um, not sure. You know, there's a lot of reasons it could be in play there, but we did find that kind of an interesting one-two, as it were. Of course, we uh, in early March we talked about Ross leaving um, John Ross leaving Calvin and what that would affect would be. But after we kind of got off the air and things kind of started to pick up a little bit, um, you you saw a number of changes. Um, for example. Um, Roanoke, as we mentioned, grabbed Clay Nunley. Um, we had uh, a number of other coaches who switched jobs, became assistants, uh, out as assistants. Uh, I think Kalamazoo was interesting to see Eric uh, Dougal resign from the job. Um, Utica welcomed in Sean Coffey as their new head coach. 
uh, after spending five years as an assistant at St. John Fisher. Um, Ryan Kane officially had the interim tag removed from him at Keene State. Remember, he had a wonderful run through the NCAA tournament. Um, we had, um, well, the big one was at, it was at uh, Stockton, where we had heard over the summer that uh, Jerry Matthews would be resigning or retiring right before this basketball season started. I think that got a little bit of an earlier push than expected, but Scott Bittner, the assistant, uh, really associate head coach, was given the interim tag there. I can't imagine he doesn't keep on moving. Del Val lost Casey Steitzel um, to Division II Millersville, which opened up an interesting position. By the way, Chuck Winkleman, the former Millsaps head coach, uh, now former uh, went to Calvin to take over for John Ross. Um, there's a lot of, of moves this year, and we'll talk to some of the new head coaches. We'll also talk to some who are stepping down. Another one that was a big surprise at Wittenberg. Bill Brown decided to step down. He uh, won 543 games. Great interview on D3Hoops.com under the notable section or in the coach's carousel that Gordon Mann did with Coach Brown. Worth the read, to be sure. Um, you, you can go through the list on the coaching carousel and see move after move in the offseason. We will talk to some of those coaches. Pat Coleman went uh, in maybe one of his last D3 hoops <laughs> uh, jobs. or Of course, we all cross over. I even do some football work for him. Uh, Pat got an interview with the SUNY Canton men's basketball coach. We're going to air that on Thursday's show as they will not have started the season as of yet. So we'll talk to them um, shortly. Uh, or not shortly, we'll talk to him on Thursday and hear from his point of view from the great, very northern sections of uh, New York State. Uh, Aurora's head coach, James Lancaster, stepped down this season. Todd McGinnis moved on to Case Western Reserve from Hartwick. That was another big move in the offseason. Um, Hartwick uh, then had an interesting coaching carousel themselves. Uh, opened up the job, had four finalists. The first two said no. The second two pulled out. So they opened it up again. That one took probably a little bit longer than many, considering um, McGinnis left in mid-July. I don't think they had that job filled until early, mid-September. That took longer than expected. Adrian's head coach, Mark White, departed, interestingly enough. Uh, from a high school, that one ha has had some questions behind it as to what really happened. Um, certainly don't want to speculate, but it, it caught many off guard, to say the least. Um, Drew men's basketball, I mean, sorry, women's basketball has an interim from D1. John Olnowski uh, picked up the interim job at Drew, which caught some people by surprise as well. Um, we talked about Jerry Matthews. Uh, and then finally, Campbell, by the way, resigning from Western Connecticut this season as well. Um, so lots of moves this season. Olivet named their head coach for women's basketball basically as practices were beginning. Um, and we've had other coaches named. We had a coaching change. SUNY Maritime's coach switched jobs uh, after practices had started. Maritime at least ended the cycle <laughs> by naming an interim. So lots of moves in the offseason. We'll try and cover them over the next few shows with some of the interviews that we gather uh, and some of the guests we'll talk to who may have switched positions or may be taking over jobs, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, we have a new top 25. We'll talk plenty about that. Um, first time in a while, I think, that the two of the defending champs are not the number one teams the next year. I mean, both of them. 
It's certainly not uncommon, especially on the men's side. But I can't remember the last time it happened on the women's side. And someone might do the research and find out it happened two years ago. My brain just isn't there. But nonetheless, Tufts is your new number one on the women's side. Interesting enough, though, did not get the most number one votes. Thomas Moore had 10 and slotted in fourth. Tufts had nine and came in first. I think when you look at that, it tells you that a number of people put Thomas Moore one and then a number of people didn't put Thomas Moore very high. As Thomas Moore ended up 36 points behind Tufts, considering a first place vote is 25 points. Kind of gives you a little bit of an idea of where Thomas Moore being slated in on a few ballots. But Tufts, number one. Amherst, number two. Texas Tyler, number three. Thomas Moore, four. Scranton, number five. Is your uh, St. Thomas, Rochester, George Fox, Washu, Warburg right out your top ten. On the men's side, uh, quite a few uh, teams got votes. Amherst was the number one team with 10 first-place votes. Then Christopher Newport and Babson had six each. CNU finished just eight points behind Amherst. Uh, Babson was 45 points behind. So the battle for first was tight, and then there was a bit of a step-off, interestingly enough. Uh, but no one over 600, I should point out. Um, St. Norbert was four. Then Tufts at five with no first-place votes. Then Benedictine slotted in at sixth with two first-place votes. That's kind of interesting considering what they lost, but they certainly bring back a good team. They are going to be in the conversation. Worcester was number seven. Ohio Wesleyan eight. Whitman nine. Then St. Thomas 10th with one first-place vote. There are voters out there, and clearly one here, who always vote that, hey, until the, the defending champs knocked off their number one. Except St. Thomas lost a lot, and we will learn out more about them, which allows me to transition into who our guests are tonight. We're going to be hearing from both committee chairs, both preseason number one teams, and both defending champs all tonight. We're going to jam in a ton on the first night of the, of the season. But Kevin Vandestreek from Calvin will join us. He is the men's basketball committee chair this season. Then uh, we will hear from Bobby Morgan, the women's basketball committee chair. She's the head coach at Haverford. You remember, may remember her from last season. Uh, she filled in for Carrie Carollo both on the call when Carrie at Whitewater had to step away due to her team being at the table and then uh, joined us here on Hoopsville, though a little bit um, unprepared. We kind of contacted Bobby at the last minute to get her on the show. Probably didn't result in the best of interviews or best of information, but nonetheless, she will join us on the show. We'll talk about, with both of them, we'll talk about the committees, what is maybe possible changes that have taken place. Also talk about uh, their teams. But most importantly, back to the regional stuff. If you aren't aware already from the fall sports, the final regional rankings are now public, and so is the data. So those final regional rankings are no longer secret. We no longer have to glean information, though we may try and glean it early on a Sunday when we do our selection shows versus trying to um, wait for it on Monday, it takes a little bit of these of the uh, of the uh, suspense out of it. Granted, you won't see those final regional rankings until after the brackets are released anyway. So there's still a little bit of work to be done. But at least we now get to see the final data. We now get to see the final regional rankings. And as all of you who have watched this show know, that means we don't have to ask so many probing questions to find out what's going on, especially in women's basketball. So luckily, that stuff is now released. It has been being released in the fall. We have seen it. We're looking forward to it with basketball this season. So we'll talk to both of those committee chairs. Also ahead, John Tower from St. Thomas will join us, talk about his Tommies and the offseason and what they've lost. Dave Hickson will join us from number one Amherst as well. Is he surprised that they're the number one team considering many factors in play? Um, maybe he's not. 
Um, but we'll see what his thoughts are. By the way, we'll also take a side trip with him to Rio de Janeiro. If you did not know, his son won a medal in Rio in the synchronized diving uh, three-meter event. We will talk to him about the experience. Saw him on camera a few times. He looked like a coach. He looked like Dave Hickson on the sideline, maybe more subdued than we're used to. Uh, then we'll switch gears, talk to Jeff Hans from number four, Thomas Moore. The post Sydney Moore life for the Saints, they're still going to be good. How good? We'll talk to Jeff Hans about that. And then Car Carlo Baruby will join us from the number one Tufts Jumbos. Target's now on their back. Got all the way to the championship game last year. How do they repeat the feat and maybe go one step further to a national championship? We'll talk to Carlo Baruby about all of that. That's all on tonight's show. And then in the future, we will certainly be on the air Sundays and Thursdays, starting at seven o'clock throughout the season. A week from tonight, we will not be on air live, mainly because I'm going to be exhausted. Hoopsville Classic is next weekend. Eight great games with eight awesome teams. Stevenson, Albright, Randolph, Macon, um, some of the close teams in the area that will be there. If you're a Randolph-Macon football fan, take advantage of this. Randolph-Macon football will be at Johns Hopkins on Saturday, while Randolph-Macon men's basketball will be at Stevenson for the Hoopsville Classic on Friday and Saturday. Make it a weekend in Baltimore, folks. Come out and su support your teams. It should be a good one. Um, we also have Stevens Point at the Hoopsville Classic this year. We also have um, Moravian, uh, uh, no, Marietta, who is slotted um, this season at number 17. I think that might be a little bit low, but Marietta will be here as well. Um, Skidmore, who is receiving votes, will be at the Hoopsville Classic as well. I may have forgotten one, and I apologize. You never know. Um, so a week from tonight, what we'll substitute, which we started doing last year, is we interview all the coaches at the Hoopsville Classic. We will put those on a page so you can see them yourself. That will substitute us mainly because we will be working nonstop Friday and Saturday. And if it's all right with you, I'd like a break on Sunday. <laughs> um, we then we'll have it off, obviously, on Thanksgiving as well. But then we'll be back on the air Sunday of Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, we will then have a number of shows in December, including one later than we normally do it. This is going to be a little bit different for, you know, Stag Bowl uh, for D3 football is a, a solid week plus before Christmas. Actually, uh, nine days before Christmas this year is on the 16th. We will not do a show on the 15th, but we will get back and do a show on the 18th before then taking time off thought about doing a show on the 22nd, but to be honest with you, it's probably not worth it, especially with the Christmas holiday. Then we'll be back on the air on the 5th. So we will go about two and a half weeks there without a show. We may add the 22nd later, but just a quirk with the calendar this year is going to make things a little bit weird in the middle of December. Still planning a Hoopsville Marathon show, end of January, beginning of February. We are still uh, planning other uh, events as well as we normally do. We'll be talking about the fundraising efforts with this show down the road as well, et cetera, et cetera. It's the usual, and we will try and improve it every step of the way. You may notice a few new things in the studio. Got a new jersey over my right shoulder. That's not going to be its permanent home. We will find a permanent home for the Brockport jersey. Greenville also gave us a jersey. We hinted at this last year. That may not be its permanent home either. We'll eventually find a permanent home. It may stay there. We're not sure. It looks good there. Uh, and we've been told by other schools that more stuff is coming. So this studio may be dressed up. We still haven't moved the Hoopsville sign from behind my head. It will move up probably a little bit in the coming uh, weeks. Uh, still tweaks to be done in the studio. 
So lots to talk about in Division Three. Um, I cannot believe, as Matt Snyder says, it's D3 season already. It does feel a little weird. But the soothing voice of coming out of your speakers, Matt, I am glad you're tuned in. I'm glad you considered a smooth, a soothing voice. Um, but we have lots to talk about, a lot to cram into the show, so we need to take a break. When we come back, we'll get things started. But before we do, I want to once again thank the WBCA and the NABC. WBCA, thank you very much for the the uh, paraphernalia. We got a nice coffee mug that we will be using. My voice is a little shot, so I've got some nice tea in there. Also have a, a cup back here from the WBCA. Got a shirt from them. We'll be wearing that. NABC plans to send some stuff to us as well. We look forward to that. Uh, again, they're the partners for us this season. We're looking forward to it. They are the WBCA and NABC studio partners. And of course, always thanks to D3Hoops.com. So we will take a break. When we come back, we will talk to the aforementioned Kevin Vandestreek from Calvin College. We'll also talk to him about the World Series because he and I have something to share there. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with more right after this. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Um, a little bit of a delay, having a little trouble getting Coach Vandestreek on, so we're going to take another break. Um, we'll be back with more Hoopsville right after this. Uh, sorry for the delay. It's it's the first show. We're still getting the, the gremlins out. We'll be back with more right after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. 
This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. We are calling you, all of you. We are calling all Division Three schools to join our cause. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Sorry for the delay on that. Uh, if you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Lots of ways of getting in touch with us. We hope you'll take advantage of those. Um, it certainly is an interesting time of year um, as we're not even being able to talk about teams who've started to play. But we're certainly going to do our best to keep things, uh, at least get you ready for the season. Give you an idea of what's going on. And part of that tradition here on Hoopsville, is to talk to the, uh, the, the committee chairs um, to get an idea of where they're coming from and what they hope to do um, with the season ahead. And so joining us to start things off on the Hoopsville hotline is Coach Kevin Vandestreek of uh, Calvin College. Coach, welcome to the show, sir. Well, thank you. Appreciate you taking the time. Of course, everyone's looking at a still shot of me. I'm kind of giving away the fact that one of my shots later in the day is going to be pre-taped, but de details, details. Um, first and foremost, congratulations on the job. Um, I know that um, that it was something that may have been preordained, whether you wanted it or two or not. But I do want to kind of kind of touch on the fact that nobody maybe really truly appreciates just how busy you are. Um, you're not just a coach at Calvin. You're also a teacher, and it keeps it a little bit interesting for you, does it not? Yeah, you know, we have an interesting structure at Calvin, and maybe there are some other places out there like it, but I don't know of too many where we really don't have an athletic department. It is housed within the kinesiology department, and our athletic directors actually answer to the department chair. And so I am actually was hired uh, as a tenure-track professor, um, I have 30 hours of doctoral work, and um, 
you know, teach some classes and that kind of thing. And so um, it's fun. I enjoy my job, but uh, there's some times when it's fairly busy, yes. Yeah. Um, I don't want to go into the details a little bit, but the school's helping you out a little bit to make sure you can do, because you and I talked, you were a little concerned about how this was going to really work out with the time you had available. And I don't want to go into all the details, because some of it's probably inside baseball, but the school's helping you out a little bit to let you dedicate more time to this. Yeah, they, we have some um, activity classes that um, are, la- are seven-week courses. And so our department chair was kind enough to slide some of my responsibilities to the, the last seven weeks of the year, which would give me a little more time in February and March, which is probably the busiest time for the committee. Um, talking to Kevin Vanderstreek, of course, uh, we'll be – uh, taking over the Knights here shortly, and we'll talk about how the Knights may be lining up this season. But more importantly, let's talk about the committee. And you're now in your fourth year on the committee. Um, and I know from talking to you, you're you're looking forward to the season. You don't see any major challenges ahead of you guys. But at the same time, I got the sense that um, you still have some important things to tackle this season. Well, for for the committee you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think you know. I think it's a it's a, um, a a big job in a way, in that it's there's a lot of responsibility. We're trying to do our best and look out for all of Division Three basketball. We have a few changes in number of teams that we're ranking in um, you know some new committee members in adding 64 teams, which is nice. We um, have the next bid cycle that's up, so we'd be looking at that at some point uh, of where we might be hosting the, the Final Four, and so there's some there's some things that would need to be uh, looked at and decided. Um, you're taking over for Brian Van Haften. I think it's something about the Vanda um, <laughs> in this deal. I don't know if there's anybody who's maybe need a name change next year uh, when you step off the committee, but I'm just saying. Um, but you did take over for Brian, of course. Brian, prior to Brian, we had uh, Steve Ulrich. Oh no, no, we had uh, um, Jeff Burns. If he's listening, he's going to be angry at me. Uh, and then Steve Ulrich prior to that, and and others like Dave Martin. And and there's been a a one year rotation. It's worked pretty well for men's basketball. Uh, and you guys do a really good job of trying to keep with the status quo, as it were, and improve upon that. So, what do you have as a mission, as it were, moving forward with this committee? Well, I sure have learned a lot from those guys, you know, and Mike DeWitt was the the chair yep. before I came on, who, of course, is the coach at Ohio Wesleyan, and I had some conversations with him prior to accepting the position, and um, there's some really good people, and the people on the committee are outstanding, and, of course, you know, Elisa Helpin from the NCAA mm-hmm. is phenomenal, and so you don't want to keep things rolling a little bit, and in that we've tried to make it a as much of a national tournament as we can within the parameters of travel and so forth. Um, we've tried to, I don't know if seed is exactly right, but sure. we tried to separate the better teams and then do the, you know, have the, the game assignments, um, you know, perhaps the best team in the region versus, you know, a lower-ranked team in the region type of thing. And um, I think it's gone really well the last couple of years, and I want to keep that momentum going. 
Uh, one thing you kind of hinted at, we're going to jump around a little bit here as, as my memory works. Uh, one of the things you, you talked about earlier and, and is certainly going to come up is the bid cycle is now up. Um, Salem has the championships for this year and then next, or this season and next season. But after that, they are open. And a little bit of inside politics on this, but we knew that you were supposed to kind of help make a decision by now um, as the NCAA has gotten into this new routine of it. But the move with new with new North Carolina and the for example in Division three men's and women's soccer got pulled out and is going to Salem Virginia in December, um, but that has put everything on hold for you guys. And I don't want to go into all the details as to why, but the NCAA is basically going behind the scenes uh, and making sure all state laws are are within the realm of what the NCAA wants to endorse essentially. But is that a frustration for you guys? Are you worried you're now going to have to make a decision on something while you'd rather be focusing on regional rankings, for example? Well, I hope it's not during the exact same time. You yeah. know, I'm, I hope I'm hopeful that we can get to it soon. But right now, we're just kind of in a holding pattern as the NCA looks into state legislation and those kind of things. And I, I certainly think that's a that's a worthy cause, and I'm supportive of that. And um, but we'll we'll try to make that decision when the time comes. But I I hope it's fairly it's sooner rather than later. We've gone to Salem for 20 years, handed out 19 trophies uh, because of the one year going to Atlanta. Um, every time I think the bid cycle comes up, Salem always gets nervous. I love them to death, but they are always worried that someone may take the bid from them. They love it so much. That being said, is there any talk or speculation that, okay, we've been there 20 years, maybe we find another place? Or is Salem so ingrained now in this championship, it's going to take uh, an incredible bid, an opportunity like Atlanta, to supersede Salem? Well, that's a good question. We've, we've not talked too much at this point as a committee other than that it's open. And, you know, I, the last time when I was on the committee that we looked through it, we looked at it as simply a brand-new opportunity and what are the strengths and weaknesses of each place. And, you know, I've had the great fortune of being able to be at Salem not only as a committee member but twice as a basketball yeah. coach. And certainly <laughs> the people are phenomenal there, and that's uh, that's a huge selling point that we know what we're going to get from there. But, you know, I think it's kind of like, uh, you know, a once ranked, always ranked, which we don't <laughs> have that anymore, you know. So we're looking every year or every time the bid cycle comes up as a, a new opportunity, and we'll try to look through all the, you know, the advantages or possible disadvantages of each possible post site and try to make the best decision that we think is there for men's basketball. Let's switch gears a little bit. A couple new things this year. Obviously, we talked about at the beginning of the show. The rankings will now be released at the end of the season, something men's basketball has been subtly doing anyway in some shape, form, or whatever. Sometimes the committee knows it, and sometimes they don't. Um, I know you guys have been a huge proponent of that and pushing it forward. Your reactions to the finally going through? Yeah, outstanding, outstanding, uh, both as a coach and as a committee member. is something that we have, a, as a committee, have pushed every year that I have been on the committee. I, I don't think we're trying to hide anything. We w want people to know that we are trying to be as transparent as possible, and we've gone through the process to the nth degree and the best of our ability to try to select the teams that are most deserving and try to do the best job that we can with uh, with the brackets and 
we're certainly human, so we're going to mess up. And, you know, I always say I stand in the front of the mess-up line, so <laughs> I think, you know, um, some of those things might happen, but it certainly isn't going to be a lot from a lack of caring or a lack of attention to detail or a lack of discussion, and we'll go from there. Um, something interesting that you told me about, and I realize women had done this a few years ago, and what people may not realize is when you rank the regions, you're allowed to rank a certain percentage of the region, and that's not a fixed number. It's a it's a uh, wide range, not a wide-ranging number, it's a range of numbers. You're allowed to rank between 15 and 21%. What you told me the other day as we got ready for this interview was you guys took advantage of that, and you didn't stick to one percentage for the regions. You decided to try and make it a little bit more balanced. Can you kind of give everybody an idea of what you guys are up to with these regional rankings? Sure. So in the past, we did have a fixed, and I honestly don't know what that percentage was, but we took a percentage and we brought it across the board to every region. The the issue with that, I think, was that in one region we ranked 13 and another we ranked only 6. And when you're doing regional rankings, that's totally fine. It doesn't really matter. But when you get to that last call and you're selecting the at-large bids, um, using winning percentage or record versus ranked opponents is really a difficult comparison to make, say, from the northeast to the south, where one team may have played 10 and the other only two. And so would it be an advantage or a disadvantage for either of those, right? Someone could be 5-5 five and five against ranked opponents, and you say, boy, they're only 5-0, and oh, and they, the team from the south, 2-0. and oh. You know, they've won every game. And so I don't know that we're going to look at it in any more high of a priority, higher of a priority than we have in the past, but when it comes down to those last three, four teams of, of who's going to get in, any possible information that we could have that's been demonstrated on the court is going to be valuable. And so maybe this is just one piece that might help us. So the Northeast will get cut back. Some regions like the East and the Atlantic, Mid-Atlantic may gain a couple. Some regions may not change at all. Um, and, it, and the idea is, as you said, it's just to try and balance it a little bit more. Is that is that a fair balance considering some regions like the East and the Atlantic or Mid-Atlantic are a little bit smaller than other regions? Well, that's the that's the question, certainly, and that's the discussion I think that we had. But I think after talking about it, we felt this was a way to go, and we're going to give it a shot. And if we you know, get to a point and say, boy, this really worked contrary to what we were hoping for, we certainly have the, the power and the, the way to change it back. Um, I also know you and I talked about the fact you're trying to make sure the math lines up. And we talk about the uh, weighted measure, and I know we don't need that answer now. Uh, we really only need it when we start looking at things in January. You've asked stats to look at this. What are you trying to determine? Well, we are, uh, yeah, trying to figure out uh, a multiplier, if that's what you're talking yeah. about, correct? We, we, obviously, in men's um, basketball, we use a multiplier. So what are you right. trying to figure out with the math? Well, we, we want to give 
um, try to balance out the home in a way and encourage teams to have a balanced schedule and not play all their non-conference at home to build up wins type of a thing or, or the contrary, to go only on the road. So we have a multiplier that tries to figure in home in a way. However, I think it was two years ago, the Division Three basketball, Division Three in general, in all sports, I believe, went from a percentages percentage of win loss to the raw data uh, of win loss. And what that did, we found out now, is that that basically neutralized the multiplier. And so the NCA is looking into what might be done to actually grant us the value of a multiplier um, when considering home and away. This is a little bit inside baseball. Matt Snyder certainly is at the forefront of a lot of this. And let me correct one thing, by the way. They went from the data to the averages. Um, they went from the raw data numbers, putting the multiplier on each individual team to figuring out what your home record was, your away record, and your opponents in that, and then putting the multiplier there. And then we have thought that maybe that has ruined the multiplier in some cases. Um, I just wanted to clarify that. Matt yep. Snyder can certainly draw more on that. We may have Matt on at a future date to explain it. But obviously we don't need an answer until January, really. Um, and so I don't want to stick on the topic too much. But it is going to be something we're going to keep an eye on the rest of the way. I don't want to lose more time. You and I could talk plenty about the committee. I'm sure there's lots of people who have questions. But honestly, we'll talk more in January when we have you back on um, as well. But I want to talk about your team. I look at your schedule, and you have one of the more interesting beginnings of a season. You will play Finlandia on the 18th. Then you will play Augustana on the 19th. Then you will play two out-of-Division three teams that you normally play, Cornerstone and Aquinas, before getting back into the mix with Carthage and Oshkosh. That's a mixed bag, if I do so same, <laughs> say so myself. Now, you may be catching Augustana at the perfect season, um, but wow, that's just a hodgepodge. Well, uh, you know, no offense to Gray, but I'm not <laughs> sure I'm really looking forward to playing him. <laughs> uh, who knows? <laughs> but, uh, well, I tell you what, uh, Dave, we, we're in a tough spot, and I know, you know a lot of places are possibly with, with different scenarios, but um, being landlocked in Michigan where we can't go uh, east or west because of the lake or north to Canada, and we are the <laughs> only Division Three conference in the state. So it's really difficult for many of us in our conference to find Division Three opponents. Um, and, you know, scheduling is way, way more difficult than a lot of people would, would think. You know, you can't just call somebody and say, well, hey, let's play, because maybe that someone doesn't want to play, or maybe they're not, you know, they can't play based on other agreements. Maybe they do want to play, and, uh, and you don't have the date that works out, you know. And we've said for years to to go to Ohio or Indiana; those are all great. But sometimes those people don't want to play a non-conference game three and a half hours away. They can find someone, you know, much closer. And so it's difficult. And I like our schedule. I think it is a hodgepodge. But uh, we play some very good opponents, and uh, we're excited about getting started. And looking at your team, you've got four seniors on the squad, uh, Cam Denny, Nate Drews, um, uh, Michael Welch, uh, and Nick Cronemeyer. 
but also a lot of youth. What what should fans of the Knights expect from this squad? What should fans of Division Three who know Calvin so well uh, uh, kind of expect from this team? Well, I guess you always need to frame a little bit. You know, last year was a was a really tough year for us. Um, you know, I'm I'm guessing it was the worst uh, win loss percentage in in Calvin history, which, you know, it's not one of those things you want your name attached to, really. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> but you know, for the three years prior, I think we were seventy two and sixteen, and you know, had a had a you know a little more what I and everyone else expects from Calvin College, but. We had some things happen last year, some, you know, a thing that happens in Division Three and in other places as well as guys decide to be involved in other things and not play. And um, that was a, a real blow to us when we had planned on some of those things and built our team around some of those things and then a couple of key injuries. So anyway, we I think we have a nice uh, recruiting class. Uh, we have a transfer that has started uh, our two exhibition games, and we're going to be young and a little um, inexperienced from a role standpoint, uh, not necessarily from a returning player standpoint, but um, I'm excited. We have great guys. They've worked really hard. They have already formed a very good team chemistry, and I think that will that will help us have some success. Uh, well, I appreciate you taking the time. I'd love to talk to you more, but we've got a jam-packed show, so we got to get going. Uh, but one last thing before I do let you go, uh, you and I share one major thing in common. We are both diehard Cubs fans. Um, and I got to know how you reacted to Game 7. I, I'd love to ask you how you reacted to every game, but we don't have that kind of time. Um, but your reaction when they finally clinched it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, it it was, you know, just an amazing season, you know, and you're trying to tell yourself, just enjoy it. Just yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. Well, you're just a nervous wreck, right? Yep. And my son and his wife are in the process of moving here from Georgia, and they're staying at our house. Oh, and and it's late at night in game seven, right? And my son's <laughs> downstairs uh, on the couch, and I'm upstairs, and the game's over, and I'm sprinting down the basement to high five. <laughs> so it was, it was pretty exciting. Any tears? Any tears? No, no oh, okay. No tears, no tears, but uh, yeah, just a lot of excitement. Yeah, well, it was a pretty cool moment, and uh, I'll have to admit I'm still in a little bit of awe to this day but uh hey well thanks for joining me we'll talk plenty more about the cubs another time um as always we give the coach the final word any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in oh no we're just you know excited to uh have another year of division three basketball what a blessing it is to be a part of it and uh i wish everyone the best very good sir well said i know we'll talk plenty more down the road but thanks so much for joining me on the on the season debut tonight you bet. Thanks for having me, Dave. Absolutely. Kevin Vandestreek, chair of the Division Three Men's Basketball Committee for this season, head coach of the Calvin College Knights. Look forward to seeing what they do in the MIAA. Look forward to doing outside the conference. They start the schedule on the 18th against Finlandia, and then they'll take on Augustana on the, the 19th. That's a little quirk with the, the, the 15th being the middle of the week. Some people will start in the middle of the week. Some will not. And um, they are one of those. Um, we will talk plenty more with him down the road as well. Got to get going. When we come back, we're going to talk to uh, the head coach of um, the Haverford women's basketball team and the women's basketball committee chair. Bobby Morgan will join us. You listen to Hoops presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoops will after this. 
Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, then I can accomplish it. The well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you primarily a student athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to the season debut of Hoopsville. Hope you're enjoying uh, the first show of the season. Remember, we're on the air now Sundays and Thursdays throughout the basketball season, except for a few times around the holidays. 7, a, uh, 7 p.m. is our start time, and we hope you'll enjoy it. Don't forget, you can email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Twitter at d3hoopsville using the hashtag hoopsville, and don't forget hashtag d3h. You can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. We're even on Instagram at d3hoopsville there as well. I'm sure there's other social media platforms our future will be uh, embracing, but nonetheless, uh, welcome to the show. I uh, hope you're enjoying it. Uh, again, this segment's going to be a little bit different. We're pre-taping it. Studio wasn't quite ready for me to uh, to do this on camera, so forgive the still pictures. You already see, if you're watching the show, who our next guest is. Uh, we're going to go to the Hoopsville Hotline here momentarily. Just got done talking to the Men's Committee Chair, Kevin Van Vandestreek from Calvin. So keeping with that theme, let's go to the Hoopsville Hotline. And joining us there is the Women's Basketball Committee Chair, Bobby Morgan from Haverford College. Uh, Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate you taking the time. First and foremost, congratulations on the uh, chairmanship. I, I would assume congratulations. Uh, um, how many years have you been on the committee now? This will be my third. It is your third. So there's a potential you could be doing this for a couple years. I could. I, I could. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> I had a feeling that would be the answer. Um, obviously, Kerry Carrillo served last year. Uh, Dave Morton the year before that. Um, there's... Uh, Turnover every year isn't something the women's committee's had a lot of, but it has in the last few years. Is it something you guys are adjusting to? I mean, there was one year there was, I think before your time, we had a person on for three years in a row. Um, is this something you guys want to try and keep up? I kind of sense that just doing it once isn't a bad thing necessarily. It's a lot of time. And so when I accepted the chair, I actually said, like, you know, I'll, let, I'll do it this year. I have, 
you know, I, as as I mentioned to you earlier, I have three three kids. I have a pretty full plate, but I mean, I am more than happy to help. And the chair, the chair. It means more calls, a little bit more time, but ultimately anybody on our committee, I mean, the amount of work they put in, it's it's a lot, and um, and it's a really fun, committed group. So uh, I'm sure, you know, it kind of depends as committee members come on and then they leave. You know, if somebody, I don't know that somebody would take it on for three years, but I think a two-year max sounds like a pretty good uh, pretty good way to do it. If it works, it's not a bad thing necessarily. Right. Obviously, you have to battle, uh, balance you know, basketball coaching on top of that. We'll talk about your team in a bit. But what are you most looking forward to uh, in the season ahead? So in terms of... In terms of the uh, committee. The committee, I think, you know, we've got some new members that we're excited to have join us and some really great people returning and... And um, I think I've, I've said this to you before, you know, my past two years on the committee has been a fantastic experience because the people are really, really committed to trying to get the best teams in the tournament. We don't ha- seem to have anybody that just lobbies for teams that really shouldn't be in the tournament. I mean, it's a very committed group, so I'm looking forward to working. I mean, we've got Karen Harvey and um, – you know, we have Jim Scheibel and Kelly Thompson and Leslie Irvine returning, and then some new members, uh, Chris Huffman from DePaul, Stephanie Dunn from Barry, um, and Dave Petroff, who's actually an SID, yeah. Edgewood, joining the committee. So I'm looking forward to meeting some new people and working with the people that are back. Got a good group there, a bit of a motley crew, uh, I would say, knowing some of those uh, those uh, people on board, but certainly a solid group. You all had the opportunity last year to go to the championship weekend. Not that you don't normally do that as coaches anyway, but to be there as committee members to to watch the Division Three game be played in Indianapolis on the site uh, of the Division One. Are you still a little bit on a high from all of that? You know, I, I think... I think everybody who participated in that experience is, and I think it kind of goes down, you know, particularly for the two teams, you know, Thompson, Thomas, Moore, and, and those coaches and players, administrators, those people, um, they, I mean, they, those kids, they had an awesome experience, but it was really just, I think, a, a culmination of a lot of years where Division Three was kind of, you know, very much in the background, and I think the game itself was such a highlight. It was probably, I thought, the best game of the three championships yeah. last year. And, um, you know, it really, I think it opened up a lot of eyes to how strong Division Three women's basketball is. Um, as far as the committee goes, it was actually a little less work because, <laughs> like, you know, we, there were layers upon layers of help from yeah. NCAA and people in Indy. But um, it also was more time because we had to go, you know, we had two weekends. We had to go right. to Capitol and then come back for, you know, almost four or five days in Indy. But um, it was a fantastic experience. I mean, the committee obviously would love to see it happen again and, you know, the WBCA has supported that, but it's a matter of dollars and logistics. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I was going to say, you, everyone would love to have that kind of uh, logistical support behind the scenes yeah. at, at Division yeah. Three events as well as they were organized in a lot of places. That, uh, the D1 experience, I've been to Atlanta and now Indy, it certainly trumps them all. Um, yeah. and, and for obviously good reasons, and when you're at the home of the NCAA too, it, it kind of right. goes with it. Um, you talk a little bit there. I don't want to dwell on, uh, to, to dwell on it too much. You need to talk about the fact the men came out of Atlanta and said, love to do this again. I knew right. the women would come out of Indianapolis saying, want to do this again. You touched on it. There's, there's logistics to it. There's finances to it. But is that a really strong wish to do it? Or is it one of, hey, if we can do it again, we'd like to. 
Well, I mean, I, I think from a from the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, it's un, unequivocally a strong want to do it again. From the WBCA board of directors came out and endorsed it. Obviously, you know, the committee members that participated, and I'm sure those that were there as coaches, want to continue it. Um, and we certainly understand. I mean, it costs a lot of money yeah. um, for the NCAA to put on that kind of an event. So, you know, it's not something that could ever happen every year. Certainly we would love for them to continue looking at, you know, maybe they could do this again and maybe we can have some kind of a model that would enable both the men and the women uh, to do this, you know, whether it's every couple years or on certain highlight anniversary years. Um, that's something that we are fully, we're in support of. Um, and then individually, I'm certainly in support of because I just think that it's a marquee event and it really showcased um, the level of basketball in Division Three and just gave those kids a great experience. Yeah. Uh, of course, with it last year, you didn't have a consolation game just by the nature of how the tournament was set up. It, there was no reason to. But moving forward, you guys have voted to eliminate the consolation game. That's going to bring up the question everyone's going to have. Does this mean an all-star game? Let's start with the fact, though, that you did get away with the cons- get get rid of the consolation game. What was the motivation there? You know, it wasn't a, a, an easy decision, honestly, because you know there are there were mixed feelings about that. Uh, you know, across the coaches group, and now I'm talking about Division Three coaches, um, just in general. But the, the the last few years, there was kind of an overriding sense that more and more coaches just felt that that it's kind of run its course and. Mm-hmm. You know, the reason for having it was what enabled those teams to stay and kind of be part of a championship experience yeah. and, and kind of create a little bit more of an atmosphere, you know, on that championship day with two games. But the reality of it is, I mean, it's a tough game to play. Yeah. And as much as that depends on how the coach and the teams approach that opportunity, it just kind of made sense that, you know, other sports weren't doing it. It seemed a little outdated in that sense, and um, we were, again, spurred by the uh, possibility of having, what can we do instead? And two years ago, Dave Martin, who was the chair, uh, who had been a member of the men's committee, you know, kind of brought forth the idea, like, hey, if we're going to get rid of this game, why don't we, you know, start looking into the possibility of having an all-star game? And, you know, it was fantastic. He put the model together that the men do, and, you know, we had begun those discussions and we did we did begin those discussions with the WBCA as well but as for now they're still very much in the discussion stage um yeah it'd be you know we'd certainly love to see it uh, come about I think the men's side is certainly spectacular and has made that weekend even better and even more people will come to it because obviously individual players will be there as well and it gives those individual players a chance but at the same time we understand it is not an easy logistical thing to put together. Uh, we certainly look forward to seeing where that goes. Uh, transitioning into uh, the year ahead, any uh, major changes with the committee? Any major change outside of people coming on? Uh, any major changes to how you guys plan to approach the, the year? Uh, we'll talk about final rankings in a moment, but just in general, is there a, a, a change in, in the way you'll do it, or is this the status quo? Well, I mean, you know, we're going to be following the criteria that the NCAA right. gives. And so, you know, there'll be no major shift because there's been no major shift from the NCAA. So, right. um, you know, we do have um, access to look at kind of an RPI ranking now that is basically the same data, just kind of presented in a color, kind of a different way. So yeah. that's not a primary criteria. It does give us a different, um, different way of looking at the data. And it can be very helpful in kind of breaking it down, but 
In terms of how the selections are done, it'll still be primary criteria, secondary criteria, so yeah. things won't change. Um, when you guys, I know this is the million-dollar question. We'll talk about it a, a lot. When when it when it comes down to knowing the difference, and I know all the criteria is basically equal, but knowing the difference between SOS, win-loss percentage, I know that's a difficult thing for the committee to tackle because every single case is different. Um, have you guys found anything that you feel works in trying to differentiate, or is it still kind of a feel? case-by-case scenario? You know, I think one of the the greatest exercises that they do at the NCAA is with all the chairs for all the sports chairs, and then we actually go through all of that. And um, I think that there are so many different scenarios, so that to try to maintain a consistent thing and say we're going to do this no matter what, I don't think that's going to pick the best field. Mm -hmm. So I think that it takes a lot more work to really peel it down to each case and look at, and we literally repeal it. We peel each one back, and that's why, you know, those last few selections can take so long sometimes. Yeah. But, you know, there's not a magic formula. I wish there was. Yeah. Uh, well, we're we're going to continue to do what we've done in the past, which is obviously looking at that primary criteria and is weighing it all, you know. Um, I know we just talked to Kevin Vandestreek, and I know one of the things we talked about was that the, the regions are making a slight adjustment in the sense of how many teams are being ranked. Um, and you and I talking prior to this uh, kind of reminded me that the women kind of made that a change a few years ago. Are there any tweaks to the number of people being or teams being ranked this year? Or are you staying with the status quo from last year? Um, I gave it to you. I, I have it. I mean, I don't have it. It's all right. I mean, it's, no, it's, it's the rankings are staying the same. We haven't yeah, made any major changes number of teams being ranked. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure we covered that since the men, men are making a change. People are like, well, what about the women? So we've got to make sure to, to know that. Uh, anything that you took from last year's experience of selecting teams, especially considering you kind of became an ad hoc chair when Kerry had to come off the call for so long, um, anything you took from that experience that moving forward to this year you want to either focus on, keep from being dis- a distraction, or just understand not a better way to do it. That's a horrible way of saying it, but there's a different way to maybe do something that you something that you learned from last year that you hope to improve this year. I don't think so. Um, I mean, you know, the challenge last year was, that, like, as we mentioned, that we did have quite a, a couple of committee members yeah. that were actually involved. So, um, you know, I can I don't want to wish them ill will, but, you know, <laughs> it's nice we had everybody on the call all the time, but that probably won't happen given the, the caliber of teams that are likely going to yeah. – coaches that are here. No, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, I've learned the process from the people before me, and I, I feel that uh, it's been working, you know, and, and I don't see anything that would, we'd love to have it go a little quick more quickly because we've had some pretty lengthy uh, calls in my last couple of years that I've been on the committee. But, again, I think that a lot of that is just due to the diligence of the people and, and the amount of, um, you know, how carefully the selection process goes. So. Mm-hmm. You know, other than speeding it up somehow, and I'm, you know, I might tap into uh, talk to some of the guys' committee because they seem to get it done a little earlier. So I might, <laughs> I might tap into some of their their uh, process. I think they're starting earlier too. I think they start mid afternoon, even though their game's taking place. Uh, but yeah, check with them and see what they're doing because they definitely did things differently a little bit last year and uh, seem to be done well before you guys. Uh, another thing that's interesting, if, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I'm going a little bit off the top of my head, which I really shouldn't do, but I believe we're going back to Calvin this year. Uh, for the championship weekend, and then we go to Rochester, Minnesota the year after that. Am I correct? Yep. And then as a result, though, this year, 
is a year that you guys will actually have the responsibility of picking, I believe, it's the next two, if not four years uh, of the championships. And I know we're in a little bit of delay. Talk to Kevin about this as well. We are a little bit delayed here, but are, are you looking forward to that process? We are. Um, you know, it, it, back in April, we, we talked about, you know, hopefully we're going to get some really good bids in. Um, but as of, you know, with all the things that happened with the NCAA, we were supposed to start looking at them in the fall, earlier in the fall. Um, but when there, there was the problems in North Carolina and all the other championships that were supposed to take place there, um, that was put on hold. So yeah. we'll be looking at them. I uh, haven't gotten a date yet of when we're actually going to be meeting to um, to try to look at those bids. But, yeah, that's, a, that's an exciting process because, again, you're trying to find a, a great venue and a great place to, to host a championship. So well, it should be a fun process. Has there been any talk of finding a, a more, I don't want to say permanent, but a more stable home for the women's championships? As long as I've known it, it's been rotating, and it's probably rotated forever. The men found a home in Salem 20 years ago and have stayed put. Who knows the future, but they've at least stayed there for 20 years. Has there been talk on the women's side of going, you know, it would be nice to have a little bit more of a permanent home or a goal in mind, like a road to Salem for our side as well? Yeah, I mean, those we've had those discussions at our April meeting um, the last two years, and, um, you know, and, and both the pros and the cons of that in mm-hmm. terms of depending on where our teams are coming from for the Final Four in terms right. of the cost. Um, you know, certainly they've done a fantastic job in Salem by all accounts, and it has kind of become, you know, like it's a tradition. Like that's the goal. Let's get let's get to yeah. Salem, and I think that creates a lot of excitement in and of itself. So we have the committee has talked about it in both years. Um, this has not been something that's solidified in any way, shape, or form. And so I thought I was actually looking forward to seeing what the next bid cycle. Yeah see what kinds of bids we have and if whether or not any of them include uh, locations that would be interested in doing this more than just one year. And I should say this, I'm not necessarily saying go to Salem. I'm just saying finding some home that would work for women's basketball. It could be anywhere. Uh, just as you say, it depends on who's interested uh, in bidding. Uh, we could talk about the committee until the cows come home, and I know we'll chat off air, and I know I'll have you back on the show several times during the year. I don't want to get too much further into it or or use more of your time, but before we go, I do want to ask you about your team. Um, squad finished 15 and 11 last year, 10 and 8 in the conference. You're picked in the preseason poll, as much as you want to take stock in those, uh, to finish third in the Centennial Conference. This Centennial seems to be redeveloping its depth again. Yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be a really, really, really strong conference this year. Probably the strongest it's been in in a, in a good number of years. I mean. Uh, Muhlenberg had a fantastic season last year, and they've returned a whole bunch of folks. And, you know, McDaniel has been really strong the last few years, Gettysburg. Um, Dickinson had a great season. They kind of emerged, you know, from not being a playoff team for a few years. And they've got everybody back and F&M. I mean, so I just really think Gettysburg, it's going to be top to – if there is a top to bottom, it's going to be a pretty thick group, I think. Um, Knowing Ron Roan probably listens in the show, i got to ask – are you? Do you do you wish one of the two? Do you wish you could play the team he is now? That's so good, always at the top of the conference, tough to beat. Or do you wish he went back to the system days, where he was running and gunning it up the floor uh, just to have some fun with it? <laughs> well, you know, I, I really was. He, he wasn't doing that when I came into the conference. Had he already abandoned it? I think I was at Cabrini then, but um, you know, no. I mean, you know, we. <laughs> I think we beat them the. Two years before last, a couple times. So it's you know I think it's it, the conference itself is just a fun yeah. 
it's a fun conference to be in. And, you know, we really beat the heck out of each other because we do play so many league games. You know, we play everybody twice. So, you know, it's kind of who's standing at the end of the end of the season. Um, and obviously, uh, it's it's fun to watch. And Hopkins could return uh, after an off year last year too. This conference could be pretty deep. Looking at your squad, you have uh, what three seniors, I believe. So you kind of have a uh, middle of the road in age terms. You have kind of a you've got three seniors. You've got a number of sophomores and juniors, and a handful of freshmen. Seems very balanced team going into this year. What should we be on the lookout from this squad moving forward? Well, I mean, I, I think we have an excellent freshman class. Um, I'm expecting three or four of them to play a lot of minutes. And so um, I think our depth from this year uh, to last year is going to be significantly, you know, we're going to be much deeper, and I think we're just a lot more athletic. So uh, I'm not really sure yet. We've only had one scrimmage, and, you know, we're undefeated, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, uh, so we'll say we open at Montclair, which yeah. is uh, you know, my friend Karen Harvey, so that'll be a that'll be a tough game, but we figured we're gonna play a pretty tough schedule. Then we go to the sales tournament. So we have a really tough schedule early, but I knew that we were gonna be, you know, a little bit older, a little bit seasoned, so we're gonna see how we can handle that and uh hopefully that'll get us ready for the conference. I was gonna say you're starting it off with a committee game right there against uh, uh yeah. <laughs> Karen on the Atlantic side, uh with Montclair State, and then you do have a tough test there. Yes, we in do. The sales. We do have a really tough opening uh, Yeah. And right. and you've got Stevens in the mix on December third. You've got Immaculata on the on, in the middle of January, kind of in the middle of that conference schedule. Uh, you really do have kind of an interesting uh, schedule outside of conference this year. But how important is it going to be to get the job done in the conference? I mean, you, you know, that's at the end of the day. It's just, we play so many conference games, so it's just um, it's tough. And and you know, the difference between second and Sevens can sometimes come down to that last game of the season, you know, and it, it's very, very similar to what the men have in our conference each year. So I think this year will be more than more like that. But, you know, we're excited. I mean, you know, we have made the playoffs the last five years, which has been kind of a neat thing here at Haverford. And, uh, you know, and we'd love to go back and do what we did in 2014. You know, that's, yeah. the, goal. that's the goal. So to win it in the championship. So we'll see. We're still kind of young. We're probably going to start uh, – two or three sophomores and or potentially even a freshman and um and you know and two juniors so wow. it's going to be it's going to be a pretty young group again but a little bit more seasoned so if anybody if no one remembers the 2013-14 campaign 24 and 4 15 and 3 in the conference and by the way I don't know if we mentioned at the beginning your your, your previous life you were a journalist I was. for 15 I was. years um, I can guess the reasons, but what drew you out of journalism into coaching? Because it certainly wasn't a necessarily getting your life back scenario. <laughs> now, you know what? I, I did both at the same time. So for years I, I had been, you know, a part-time assistant at Widener, and then I coached high yeah. school and raised my family. And I had a full-time job working in newspapers that enabled me to um, coach high school. Um, and I think when I went back into, after staying home with my kids for a couple of years, it was time to see that the writing literally was on the wall for newspapers so I went yeah. back into coaching full-time and um you know I loved it I loved every minute of it though and I, I there's parts of it I still miss because you know it was always every day was something different and, yeah. and uh but you know this has been a great going into full-time coaching has been great too so it's both have been fun well entering your ninth season at um at uh Haverford I think you're what 15th overall congratulations uh, I look forward to chatting with you down the road as we get uh, into the season. Just let's get into the season, and then we'll talk about 
Finally, uh, other things that come along. But as always, I give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, I'm just really looking forward to uh, working with the, the committee again. It should be it's such a fun, hardworking group, and and I'm just really excited to to work with them again. And hopefully, we'll everybody will have a successful season and uh, healthy, and we'll have a great tournament again. Great. Well, thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it, and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Dave. Motley Morgan joining us again, chair of the Division Three Women's Basketball Committee and head coach at Haverford. They're off to uh, start with Montclair and DeSales in their first two games of the season. When we come back, we'll talk to some of the coaches who either won championships or are the preseason number one. For the first time in a while, it's four different teams. We talked to a bunch across the country coming up on the season debut of Hoopsville. You listen to Hoopsville presented by the WBCA and the NABC. More from Hoopsville right after this. I'm a Division Three student-athlete, and I believe student-athletes can help break down the barriers of exclusion. I pledge to support and encourage my teammates to support my campus's LGBTQ student group by volunteering and participating in events. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. We are Division Three student-athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. Reputation is what others perceive you to be. Character is what you are. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the season debut. Our uh, season is underway. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're a little bit behind schedule, uh, so we're going to keep things moving. A lot to cram in in the next 50 minutes, so bear with us. Uh, talk to the two committee chairs. So now we're going to, in the next hour, talk to both the defending champs and the two preseason number one teams. They are not the same this year, so we have four guests ahead. So we're going to waste little time, and we're going to jump immediately back to the Hoopsville hotline. And joining us there, uh, defending champs from last season, the St. Thomas Tommies and Coach John Tower joins us on the show. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Hey, Dave. Thanks. It's uh, great to be back. Fun to start a new season, and always always good to chat with you. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, especially uh, as we look ahead. Obviously, defending champs, you guys uh, at least got still a little bit of love in the top 25 with that number one first-place vote, sitting number 10. But you guys, let's be honest, lost a lot from last year's team, and we'll cover all of that as we go on here. But first and foremost, the fact that you guys won the championship, you beat an undefeated Benedictine team, uh, I am sure all the way up until practice, there was still a, a bit of an a euphoria about that. Yeah, I think there's, you know, certainly every offseason brings with it, you know, a lot of times it's March March sadness. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, last year was a magical run, and, you know, not just Benedictine, but, you know, Christopher Newport and Augustana, who was ranked number one, and, you know, Whitman and Elmhurst and Central. I mean, it was just, it was it was a magical ride and um, what a way for our six seniors to go out. Um, there's no doubt we lost, you know, five of our top seven guys were seniors. So um, it was a fun off season and um, also one where, you know, we're trying to plan and how do we, 
how do we rebuild a little bit? But, uh, but you know, the, the things that our guys got to go through, whether it was, you know, they were honored by the Timberwolves and the Minnesota Wild and the Twins and the Governor. So it was just, it really, all the different things that they got to do were uh, both well-deserved and a lot of fun. Obviously the second time through that uh, for yourself, but it was neat to see you guys honored by so many. What's it mean for, and I don't want to, you know, you know me. I'm not belittling Division Three in any way because that's the last thing I do. But what's it mean for a Division Three program like yourself to get that attention from the bigger entities, especially in your city? Yeah, there are a lot of pro sports franchises. So we're, you know, I mean, Division Three schools are, um, you know, there are a few around the country that I think are the biggest show in town. But in in a place like the Twin Cities, where you know the Gophers are here, and there's four pro sports. I think our guys, you know, they don't play for the recognition. It's you know, the love of the game and the intrinsic desire to be great. But but to have that recognized where there's 420-some teams and, and we ended up on top, um, I think certainly that was the culmination of a pretty amazing ride, and, and uh, we enjoyed every minute of it. You did lose five players of the top seven on that squad uh, that won that national championship. Um, but you bring back, uh, let's call him the super senior in, in Grant Schaefer. And I don't mean because he's playing an extra year, but because – he has been pretty much your go-to guy for several years now. Uh, he has certainly been what makes the team click, as it were. What's it mean, and, and is this maybe the reason you guys are still the pick to win the conference and still a high pick in the poll, that you still have experience in Schaefer and guys who played a lot of minutes coming off the bench, that you guys aren't necessarily um, reloading, you're just retooling? Well, I, you know, I don't know what people pick us. I don't know what goes into that. Um, and we, we joke within the conference about it, how, how you prognosticate and, <laughs> and nationally as well. It's, re- I mean, it's, it's impossible, oh, right? Sure. The, the polls are where, when they're not printed on paper anymore, but the, the online paper, so to speak, that they're printed on, they're not worth a lot, but they're fun to look at. Um, I think the thing about Grant is that he really has been both a consummate leader for three years. Even as a freshman, he had those qualities. And, you know, some of that, he's a quarterback on a two-time state football champion in Minnesota in the largest class. So he he is one of the better players and people I've ever coached. Um, And he's going to be a huge part of anything we're able to to accomplish this year. But he also knows it's going to be a different role. You know, you look at last year, and he was one of, you know, four captains with Taylor Montero and Cortez Tillman and Ryan Sarla. And along with Jimmy Remke, those guys aren't around anymore. So his role is going to be different, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he needs to try and go and score 25 points a game. It's really mentoring the young guys, and I think he's doing a phenomenal job of that. We know there's going to be some growing pains, but I think he's he's really embracing this as you know every year is a different part of the journey, and and this year is going to be a different challenge for him than than the first three. But uh, just you know, I, I can't I could talk for, about Grant for hours. He's you know as fun a guy as I've ever coached, and he just brings a certain. Um, you know, he, he loves to get better, and he loves practice and competition, and um, thrilled thrilled to have him on our side. I'm more baffled that Glenn Caruso, the football coach, has not stolen him away from you. That's, I mean, he is the prototypical quarterback in Glenn's mind. Uh, we've seen plenty of those kinds of guys <laughs> on that football team. How you still have him and Glenn hasn't stolen him is, is amazing to me. Well, the short left-handed quarterback, he, I, I think Glenn's probably tried. They have plenty of good quarterbacks yeah. on the roster, and they're having another phenomenal season. Yep. They just found out where they're playing yep. um, next Saturday. But, no, Glenn, Glenn's office is next door, and we have a lot of fun talks. And Grant, there's no question if Grant, I think, had wanted to play football in college, he would have been a, you know, a tremendous quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've seen him, especially at St. Thomas. you got three other seniors on the squad. Will Dunn, um, Ryan Johnson, 
uh, and Jordan Birch. You also have other players who certainly have experience. What's going to be the key for this team to be successful this year? I think every team's identity unfolds over the course of a year. And, you know, Ryan Bowl is another returning starter who last year as a sophomore did just an outstanding job as, you know, really our defensive stopper. And I thought he, you know, he's capable. In fact, he last year, I think he had scored more points in high school than any of the other guys on our roster. But as a sophomore, he was, you know, he really bought into a role of being a complimentary player on the offensive end and and just a stalwart guy on defense. Um, so he's going to be important to what we do. But I think also, you know, I look back last year when we were in Hoopsville and we played Jason's team at, at Emory and, uh, you know, you and I had a lot of talks and Dan Southern Vermont team and two really good teams. And our team, certainly our identity at that point was not fully formed. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know these early season games, that's a lot of it is trying to figure out who are the young guys that step in. And um, we open against River Falls on Tuesday, who's going to be really, really good. So, uh, you know, I, you never want to say what you think your season is going to be like. I know that, you know, we're going to try and form that identity over the next couple of weeks and um, just aspire to get better and better, you know, every week throughout the season, which is um, a, certainly a long grind. When you look at the schedule, River Falls to start on Tuesday uh, at home. Then you head out to the Pacific Northwest to Puget Sound where you'll play Pacific Lutheran and Puget Sound. Um, back home, St. Scholastica. Um, in con- out of conference games that point jump out at me. You've got Stevens Point on the radar, uh, and you've got some other teams there. Um, obviously, some big games there. Also, some different games. A trip to the Pacific Northwest uh, right before Thanksgiving, kind of that Hoopsville weekend, like you did last year. Um, is this about enjoying the season a little bit? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming the pressure's off. Oh, I don't know. Pressure's self-imposed. I think. Yeah, fair <laughs> I point. Think- I, I think, you know, we, you know, there's a little bit of a target on our back, but we've told the guys from day one, this is a different team, whether we won the title last year or not, you know, every season's a new journey. So we're, I mean, we're excited to go out to, you know, the Seattle area and we've got some fun things for the team planned. Um, one of our alums works for Microsoft and so they're going to get a tour there. And one of our alums is the general manager of the Seahawks. So we're going to get to watch them practice a little bit and, um, and then play two really good teams. You know, we played Whitworth and Whitman a couple times each in the last few years. And so it's fun seeing those teams. They a lot of great basketball in that conference. And it's a good experience for our guys to see a different area of the country and play against um, some teams they don't see. But our non-conference is challenging, and, and the conference is going to be really good again. Um, so we're just, you know, we're excited, but we also know we you know, kind of don't know where we stand until we get going. Yeah, what about the conference? St. Olaf last year, 19 wins, 14 and 6 in conference. St. John's, 19 wins, 13 and 7 in conference. Uh, you guys had two blemishes during that conference run. Concordia Moorhead has appeared. Um, uh, 18 wins for Bethel, even though they were 12 and 8 in conference. Even Augsburg had a winning percentage. Carrollton had a winning percentage. This conference has gotten pretty darn good in the last couple of years. You've won it 11 times. I know you're not about to write in a 12th. What do you expect a conference play this year? Oh, it's, I thought last year was as deep as, and balanced as the MIC has ever been. And, you know, Bethel returns all five starters there. Um, Doug is, is loaded this year. And uh, I think everybody else is retooling a little bit. Um, but really the teams that probably weren't in the playoffs last year return a lot and I think could um, jump into the playoffs. And, and I think that the people who were at the top last year lost a fair amount, whether it was us or Concordia or Gustavus or St. John's, St. Olaf, everybody lost a lot. And so, yeah, it's, you know, St. Olaf has had an unbelievable three-year run, probably the best in the history of their program, and St. John's is always good, Gustavus is. So I think it's 
it's an exciting, you know, going into the season, it's exciting because I really think it's probably as open as it's been with the exception of Bethel, you know, bringing back a tremendous amount of talent and, and they're really well coached. So that's, uh, you know, that's the early look at the conference, but it's, it's going to be, uh, I think, wide open from the, from the start. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Obviously, congratulations once again on the national championship in Salem. I know you'd love to get back to Salem. Uh, I know it's just going to be maybe a little bit harder this year, but uh, good luck that way. Good luck on the trip to the Northwest. It's a pretty great opportunity for everybody. Uh, as always, as you know, we give the final word to the coach. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, it's you know we're always grateful and appreciative, Dave, of what you guys do, and you know I think our team um, and our program has had a lot of fun, whether it, you know, the final four the last, you know, three times in the last six years, hoops the last year and seeing you and just the, the things that you guys have done for division three to um, provide some recognition, but it's, you know, it's also, I think, become a much smaller world where we know more about the teams in the East and the South and the West because of what you do. And, um, and the preseason's a lot more fun because of that. You can speculate a lot more <laughs> uh, because you know about the teams. And so thank you for that. And, um, you know, we're, we're excited to get going. We look forward to a great season and so many, you know, so many coaches out there that do great jobs with their teams. And it's, uh, it's going to be a wild season. Uh, it is going to be a wild season. Thanks for the kind words. I love chatting with you all the time, even off the air. Uh, I look forward to it down the road. By the way, this studio is missing St. St. Thomas stuff. I'm really surprised we don't have a, something from St. Thomas in the studio. You and I will have to talk about this. We'll we'll talk about that. We'll get you some gear, some, a T-shirt, or maybe a Saint. You'd look good in a Saint Thomas headband. That's headband. I could, uh, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> You're kind of a rugged Kurt Rambis type. That's on picturing <laughs> you as a as a player back in the '80s. Yeah, and we have officially gone off the rails. <laughs> hey, sir, but nice reference. I like it. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I know we'll talk down the road, and uh, good luck to start the season. Thanks a lot, Dave. Have a great night. You do the same. John Tower joining us from the 2016 National Champ, St. Thomas Tommies. The season starts new for them again on Tuesdays. They will host River Falls before heading to the Great Northwest at Puget Sound, as we mentioned. They will take on uh, Pacific Lutheran and Puget Sound out there before coming back home. Stevens Point's an interesting game on their radar, and almost every conference game is going to be interesting as well. Going to take another break. When we come back, we will talk to Dave Hickson, the new number one team in the country. Uh, will join us. From Amherst College, you're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops full after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I'm a current Division III student-athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first-year student-athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division III. We are Division III student-athletes, and you can be too. We are Division III student-athletes, and you can be too.
If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Just getting our tweet out about our next guest. You can follow us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We also have a chat room, by the way, we should mention on our YouTube page, but barely anybody uses it. We do monitor it. We check it a couple times a show, but please don't use that as your old reliable, as it were. Uh, quick note, uh, we joked with John Tower about the studio, about how we dress it up in Division Three gear. You see the Ohio Wesley number 22 signed by Lauren Hill jersey that we feature prominently behind me. Greenville jersey, we have a Brockport jersey, the center jersey. There's many people who thought I graduated from center, and that's why we've got a center jersey. Uh, it kind of cracks me up a little bit. No. Uh, we also have the Hopkins warm-up jersey, which we've had for probably 10-some-odd years. It is an awesome uh, uh, practice jersey that we have there, too. We encourage anybody, if you send us stuff, we will put it up behind us. Uh, if you send us a, a polo, we'll wear it on the show someday. We're not looking to wear gear. We're not looking for freebies. We're certainly not doing that. But we want to promote Division Three, and the best way to promote it sometimes is to give some love on our studio wall. Uh, now let's get right on to the next one. We went from the defending champs to the preseason number one team. And joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is that particular squad. It is... Amherst and Dave Hickson, head coach of the squad, coming on. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Well, you know what? I didn't hit the button. There we go. Now you're on Hoopsville. Hey, sir. There we go. There we go. Um, <laughs> I got it. Welcome to the show. First and foremost, have we figured out the mascot thing yet? No. Okay. No, and, uh, Darn it. Yeah, no, that's okay. I'm, uh, you know, I'm a little bit of an old timer and. Purple and white's okay with me. I'm not so sure I'm going to like the end result of this whole thing. Oh, I, I don't want to even guess, but uh, I will go. I will try and remember purple and white. I will certainly just try and re not remember the old one. Um, first and foremost, number one team in the country, and, and this is not to be in any way um, disrespectful of that, but were you surprised you were the number one team in the preseason poll? I, I was surprised. I was surprised. I absolutely surprised. I uh, certainly very honored and on one hand, thrilled to be it, but uh, on the other hand, you know, it's a heavy burden, and uh, I was surprised, yeah. Yeah, I'm just curious. I mean, as a top 25 voter, it was a tough decision. You guys did get it all the way to Salem, but you did lose a few key parts to that team. Granted, you got a lot of good talent coming back, but Connor Greens and the like are gone. How do you guys retool for this season? Yeah, and I do think it's interesting. I think, you know, Connor's the only kid we lost yeah. um, that played, and uh, but Connor was a great scorer, mm -hmm. and uh but, you know, as the year went on, we won some games when he was sitting. And uh, I think the team really matured well. Um, I think, you know, there's not going to be a spectacular play, I don't think, like there was. But there's going to, I think we'll play sort of as a more solid five out there. I think, hmm. I think, I think people will be a bit more predictable. People will know what we're doing, including ourselves. <laughs> and, I, well, but Connor was spectacular that way. I mean, Connor could just yeah. come down and he'd pull from anywhere and, uh, and he'd make them. And he'd miss them too, but he, he made more than he missed. And uh, so I think I think as a team, I think we're going to be a little bit better as a team. Whether that 
results and more wins or losses. I don't know. Obviously, practices for you guys just started uh, 13 days ago as the NESCAC starts on November 1. Um, so you're still kind of getting to know your team just a little bit. Something you told me in the off air, if you don't mind sharing, is the fact that you, when you start, though, you really don't know your team. You you keep the doors open a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, we, I really do. And, and uh, so when this team came in, you know, like today, you know, and yesterday we scrimmaged a bit. Um, amongst ourselves, we had a Thursday, Thursday night, we had a, an inter-squad, official inter-squad scrimmage, but up until that time, we really have been spending time teaching, trying to figure out who the guys are, trying to figure out who the new guys are, see who did their work over the summer and during the fall, and we really don't see them until November 1st, and uh, we don't have outside scrimmages. If we do, we lose games, and so it's, uh, you know, we're a little bit behind the eight ball, but uh, I really like the team. I, I have to tell you that um, it's a really fun group of guys to work with and you know this group of freshmen brought in uh they uh they're really competing hard and pushing the upperclassmen which is great and what i mean is you actually have open tryouts i mean you you still have the opportunity for guys to join this squad that you didn't even know were on campus yeah we do and and uh, that's a policy that i've had for my 40 seasons and that's how i was brought up that you know we have an open door so anybody that wants to try out can uh and so we only had one this year Okay. But, uh, we, typically, we typically have two or three, and uh, it lasts a couple of days, and uh, we try to figure it out. You may have only had one senior last year. It is not the case this year. You've got seven. <laughs> um, of course, one of the names that will jump out to everybody will be David George uh, from that senior class. But uh, Reed Berman, Jeff Racy, uh, Brady Holding, Jacob Nabatoff, um, Diego Magana, uh, and Eric Conklin. So, obviously, you have... And this is probably what the voters saw was a, a number of players who have gotten a ton of experience, um, especially that trip back to um, Salem last year. Obviously, a lot of people are going to see the six eight and, and David George, and maybe even the six ten and Joseph Snyder, and figure you guys might pound it inside. But I know it may be a little bit of a loaded question. But what will be the makeup of this team, or what will be the identity of this team? Yeah, and first, and and, and just uh, Jay Dawson is also a senior. Oh, did I miss Jay. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, he's listed as a junior, but technically a senior, you're saying. That's right. Eligibility-wise, he's a senior. Okay. Um, the makeup of the team, well, it's going to be interesting. We, you know, we're going to do the things pretty similar to what we've done. We've made a few changes, but, you know, we're going to be uh, working harder this year to become more of an outside, uh, I mean, an inside-out team. I and mean, we've always shot the ball well, and we've really worked hard in these 13 days to get our interior guys because we've got, I think, four good ones. Uh, C.J. Bachman's the fourth that you didn't mention, but Joe Schneider at six ten, mm-hmm. and David George and Eric Conklin, and and we think you know we think we can create a presence inside, and then that'll even open things up more for us on the outside. And so we've been working really hard at that. Um, this conference will be in the last few years has certainly been rather interesting. Trinity won it last year at nine and one. You guys were eight and two. Of course, two years. Prior to that, uh, or two seasons ago, Wesleyan won the conference from the seven hole, I believe it was. Um, Tufts obviously was in the mix. Middlebury seems to be returning. Uh, Wesleyan's still there. Williams is slowly coming back to the fold. Uh, Colby's in the mix. I mean, this is this is a deep conference. You had double digit wins, by the way, and everybody in the conference uh, outside of you know total play. Bates with ten, Hamilton eleven, Connecticut College and above were all above five hundred. Is this conference going to stay that way? There has been some that say this may be a two-horse race at the top, uh, kind of like the old way of doing it. Or do you think it's going to stay as deep as it has been? Oh, I think it's I think it's deep, and and it may it may be eight deep. I don't know. I mean, it may be 
that it's not all 11 this year. There's a couple that are retooling and rebuilding a bit, but uh, I'll tell you, I think it's uh, you know, a team that you didn't mention, Connecticut College, is uh, mm-hmm. incredibly talented and, and actually missed a, missed a dunk at the end of the game where they would have beaten us on our home floor last yeah, year. Yeah, I watched that. And, now, and so I don't make the conference tournament. And, uh, you know, so I think it's a matter of as those kids mature and learn to win, you know, they're going to be able to play with everybody. And so I think it's going to be a really strong conference. Uh, I think it's going to be a tough one. I really do. Um, I think you were picked to win it. Uh, well, you guys, <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember what if that's the no, case. No, we don't do that. We don't. Yeah, don't you guys don't do that. Okay, so everybody else <laughs> picked you to win it. Let's put it that way. And obviously right. being the number one team in the preseason poll puts a nice big target on you guys. Big time. It's not like you haven't gone down this road before, but how do you tame expectations? Or how do you keep the team maybe inside the pocket, as it were? Yeah, well, I tell you what we do is is from the get go. I mean, we've had shirts that say "entitled to nothing" on it. Um, you know, that's our big thing because we. You know, I really get concerned when we get a preseason ranking like this. That you know, we should be good. How good? I don't know, but we should yeah. be good. But we've got to earn every single night, every single game. And uh, there's so many good teams out there. I mean, we. You know, we we meet. I know you're going to talk region soon, but we meet Babson right away. We meet the Brandeis right away. Uh, we have an Eastern Connecticut game at the at the beginning of the new year, and so there's some. And, and in our tournament, which is a little bit unusual, you know, we have mm-hmm. uh, Johnson and Wales and St. Lawrence, who are both going to be very strong. Yeah, uh, returning, and they're on the other side of our bracket, and that's that's really early for us to play 18 or 19 days into uh, into practice. Yeah, I was going to say the 18th. You'll start off with Green Mountain, who not anybody really understands what team will come out of that after a tumultuous <laughs> year last year. Um, and then you mentioned the other side of the bracket of the, of your tournament. Um, then Anna Maria, Westfield State, Emerson, then Brandeis, Babson, Babson, who we think maybe, or Brandeis, who may be kind of back in the fold a little bit. Spring, Springfield's in that mix. Eastern Connecticut, who's always good, is in that mix. Um, and obviously you then get into conference play. You have Rhode Island College, who um, still plays spoiler. Uh, they're still a good team that you can't overlook. You got a pretty decent schedule. Again, uh, and no disrespect, you have the usual warm up, as it were. You like to kind of build your schedule a little bit at the beginning, but Brandeis and Babson are on December sixth and eighth, so you kind of see them a little bit quick this year, a little sooner than you saw Babson last year. Um, is is there an expectation for the team? Do you have a goal in mind of what you want to do before you make the turn for the Christmas holiday? Uh, no, you know, but you know, we we. We go one game at a time, and we try yeah. to win one game at a time. And so, if you can add those up, you know, you know where we want to be. But it's just too—it's too much to look ahead. You really, uh, you know, if I were going to build Bill Belichick, you every oh, time boy. you ask me, every time you ask me a question, I go Green Mountain, Green Mountain, <laughs> Green Mountain. To for the record, everybody, when you and I talked in the off season, your one of the comments you made to me was. Uh, do you know anything about Green Mountain? Um, yeah. you, you clearly are focused on Green Mountain, and, and certainly don't want to take anything away from that. Um, and obviously that game is coming up on Friday. Um, switch gears before we let you go of time. You did get a chance to at least revel in the offseason a little bit. Your son uh, qualified uh, for the Rio Olympics, went down there and won a medal. 
I believe it was bronze, correct, at the uh, three-meter synchronized event? It was, actually, it was actually silver. It was silver. Okay, I couldn't... Yeah. Yeah, sorry, my memory's a little fuzzy on it. I remember That's watching okay. it, mainly because I was staring to find you in a, in a crowd shot. <laughs> um, I will not bring up the shot I found. You, you were definitely focused. Um, and then he also competed uh, in the three-meter um, uh, individual event as well. Just tell me right. the experience, though, going down to Rio to watch your son compete in the Olympics. I just cannot fathom what that is like. Yeah, and, and it's hard to describe. I mean, naturally, there's a lot of pride there. But it was great because my oldest son came down and had to spend 11 days with, with his mother and I uh, in confined quarters, which was great. And uh, <laughs> So we had a lot of good family time. Uh, Michael, the, the Olympian, yeah. uh, did take time out and had dinner with us a bunch of different times. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, we spent 11 days down there, and it was just it was phenomenal. Phenomenal experience and phenomenal to see him uh, compete and compete so well. How was the green pool? <laughs> well, it's interesting, you know, when you're diving outdoors and you have yeah. to spot, and you have to spot when you're spinning. And if you look up and it's blue, and look down and it's blue, it's actually better if you look down and it's different than the blue above and it's green. So there True. you go. That's a fair point. And how was the experience overall? I mean, I think everybody went in with tons of fears, and it turned out to be a, a, a pretty decent Olympics outside of the games. But from your point of view, what was it like to be down in Rio um, for the Olympics from a you know, a non-competition level. Uh, it, it was tremendous. I mean, other than uh, traffic, which is oh. always going to be a problem. We yeah. have that many people around. Yeah. Uh, it was amazing. Uh, the beaches were pristine and, you know, they've been built up as, as, you know, being dirty and they were really they, they got them all clean. The, uh, the place where the kids stayed, the village was fantastic. There was a, a really heavy military presence, which I don't think I actually saw two people, yell at each other, point at each other, say a disparaging word the whole 11 days I was wow. there. It was, uh, it was festive. It was uh, great sportsmen, uh, sportsmanship down there. It was absolutely terrific. It was, uh, I couldn't ask for anything better. Uh, before we let you go, uh, before we you know, move on, uh, what did you see besides this, the diving events? Did you get to anything else? Well, we got to a couple basketball games. We mm. got to... Surprising. Uh, we, had, we, we got to watch golf. We got to oh, watch golf, wow. and the golf was great. That was, it was cool. really good. Awesome. I'm yeah, sure really that, cool. that is great. Well, thanks for coming on the show, sir. I, I, I'll admit I was jealous you were down the Olympics. That's one on my bucket <laughs> list, though. I'd like to be uh, with a press pass around my neck working it because I think that would be an awesome experience. That but, would be awesome. We'll uh, go to Tokyo. I'll see you in Tokyo. That's true. I was going to say, is Michael? Is I assume Michael would be focused on Tokyo. Yeah, he's already better than he was, and so he's, he's, he's gearing up. Awesome. Well, uh, that'll be fun to be sure. But congratulations again. Look forward to seeing what the uh, the purple and white do uh, as they take <laughs> the floor against Green Mountain coming up on Friday. And as you know, we always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? No, the final thought is it's it's exciting. This is this is a great time of the year. You know, none of us really know what we can do, and so it's great for you to put us out there and and you know talk about all this stuff and get the excitement going and. Uh, I can't wait. I know some guys are starting on the 15th, which is Tuesday, and we're starting on the weekend. But this is the week. It all gets going. Yep. Uh, we love what you do. Thanks for doing it. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you, sir. Look forward to seeing you, maybe in Salem, if not before. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, I'm sure. Okay. Great, Dave. Right, take care. Dave oh, Hickson. Bye-bye. Joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, uh, the Purple and White, again, take to the floor against Green Mountain on Friday. Uh, they then play on the 19th, as he pointed out. It's either uh, 
um, St. Lawrence or um, Johnson and Wales, I believe he said on the other side of that. Uh, big games to look at. The sixth, really the third even against Emerson, but the sixth and the eighth against Brandeis and Babson, and the 14th against Springfield before the holiday break. Eastern Connecticut on the 3rd of January is going to be a key game, and then they get into the conference round robin. Um, not the traditional, but they play a couple extra conference games uh, against not uh, as the little three, as we know, against Wesleyan and Williams. Also has a game in there against Rhode Island College. So looking forward to seeing that. Behind schedules, we're going to keep it going. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll shift gears and talk women's basketball. Jeff Hans will join us from the defending national champs, Thomas Moore Saints. We'll talk about the post-Sydney Moore life. They're still going to be good, but just how good are they going to be? The Saints join us on Hoopsville when we return with more Hoopsville after this. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. This is our It's On Us pledge. It's on us to make a personal commitment to help keep all people safe from sexual assault, regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, or ability. Not to be bystanders to the problem, but to be leaders of the solution. We invite you to join us in this campaign by informing your campuses about the It's On Us mission. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Cheer for the stumbles. The heat should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. Cheer for the stumbles. The heat should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, we're going to keep things moving along. We're going to shift gears now uh, and talk women's basketball. We're going to talk to the defending national champions. Um, of course, go two seasons undefeated, win two back-to-back championships, almost go three seasons undefeated and win three championships. Uh, it was thanks mainly to an, uh, an incredible player in Sydney Moss. Now it's the post Sydney Moss life for Thomas More, and they still may be good. They are still one of the top teams in the country. Well, at least that's what us prognosticators say. 
What did the head coach say? Well, let's go find out from him. Jeff Hans joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Dave, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing great. Thanks. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Um, as I said in the intro, we're now into the post Sydney Moss life. Um, I do know of people who have said they. Uh, I, I had I had a student athlete who told me she had gone to your camp, and had changed her mind in part because of that camp on what Division Three was going to be like. Um, you still have a good team without Sydney Moss. You had a good team without Sydney Moss in the first place. But what feels different now for you guys? Uh, just the expectations. I mean, you know, we still have high expectations. I still have high expectations, and and the people around around the community. I, some of them do, some of them don't. You know, cause they, <laughs> they 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 think we're going to be five hundred without her because wow. they they don't remember the days before. And um, yeah. you know, I, I think this group is ready to get started on Tuesday night and try to try to prove a bunch of people wrong and uh you know and that's what we're looking forward to look for the, forward to the challenge i was gonna say i mean let's let's remember something um last year 33 and 0 won a championship the year before 33 and 0 won a championship the year before that with sydney moss 31 and 1 lost in the elite eight when she injured herself or you may have been 33 34 and 0 and winning a championship the year before mm-hmm. that you were 27 and 2 you didn't have sydney moss you were 25 and 5 in, in 2012 you didn't have sydney moss that the t- the program was thirty and one in two thousand eleven, twenty six and four. I can't find a season where you lost more than five games on the d3hoops.com website because we only go back to two thousand and seven. This has always been a good program. You guys just hadn't broken through yet, basically. Yeah, and that's I mean that whole senior class helped us. I mean that we lost this year the five of them. Right. Uh, all helped us, and Sydney was a, a big part of that, and, and they all were because they they hated to lose, as you could tell, and. And, um, you know, so now it's a, everybody's trying to continue that. And, you know, we're finding our way because we're, we have three really good starters back right. uh, in Abby, Owings, Madison Temple, and Nikki Kiernan. Uh, but everybody else is a little inexperienced. And so we're trying to find our way through some things in our, our two scrimmages and, and then practice every day. And I think we're getting there. I think we're, we're getting close and uh, looking forward to uh, opening up down at center on Tuesday. You have four or five seniors on this squad as well, uh, Kristen, uh, Kristen, uh, Kristen Paul. Um, I'm, my, my, I never say hi. Is it Hignight? Hignight. Micah Hignight. Hignight. Micah Hignight. I, I was overthinking it. Kelly McDonald, um, uh, Kaylee Bush, and, and Hannah Devine. Uh, and so you still have talent, and you've got a conference that you have dominated for years. Though Washington Jefferson has certainly improved, and Waynesburg and Grove City have kind of gotten into the fray a little bit. I guess there is a little bit of a coming back to earth a little bit, but again, by your standards, what do you think is this con- is this a conference you can once again go out there and win? And can you guys, I wouldn't, I don't want to say dominate a season. That's a horrible way of putting it, but at least go through the season pretty strongly again. Uh, we're going to try to, I mean, our, our conference is, is getting better every single year and, and we're looking forward to that part of it, uh, but our non-conference to start with schedule is just, it's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, at Maryville, who yep. we played in the Sweet 16 here, yep. uh, we're going down there, and, you know, Coach Trevelyan, he does a good job, and it's a, going to be hopefully good atmosphere down there. And then when Dennison at our Julie Costello Memorial Classic um, over Thanksgiving weekend, who into the way tournament team, and by some some accounts has one of the best players in the country and and uh, Jordan Holmes inside. Yeah. And uh so, you know, we're going to get challenged early and that's a good thing uh to help us prepare for the conference so that we can look 
look at trying to make another run at it and, and making a, a dent in the NCAA tournament again. Illinois Wesleyan on your squad, uh, on your schedule as mm-hmm. well, and obviously conference schedule. Um, what has been the experience like since Indianapolis? Obviously winning the national championship in arguably the best game of the three uh, games that took place against a tough, tough squad. Um, and, and nothing against anybody there, but no one was going to beat UConn, so those other games really didn't matter. But um, and I don't mean there's three. There was obviously two semifinal games that took place too. But you know wh- what's been the uh, the experience like since that win, and and now winning two championships in a row. That's been incredible. Uh, incredible for our, our players to experience the whole Indianapolis uh, phenomenon is what I'll say. Mm-hmm. Be- because it just to, to be treated that way is is student athletes and young ladies um it was a great experience and i guess the biggest thing i take is out on the recruiting trail listening to all the coaches say how awesome it was how great of a time they had watching division two and division three play on the day off in between and how they would like for it to happen every year um you know but we we know that may not happen and uh but i'll tell you if it does happen again and uh it's great for whoever can get there and uh, just to be able to cherish that those moments and, and then that lifetime experience. Um, talking to Jeff Hans here, the women's basketball coach at Thomas More, the Saints uh, coming off a 31 and 0 season, 62 and 0, 62 straight wins. Uh, no pressure, um, but you're two thirds of the way to um, um, Wash U's record. Has Nancy called you yet to uh, discourage you or encourage you? <laughs> uh, no, nope. <laughs> and and I just I hope we have a chance. You know, we'll see. Yeah. Um, you know, because that, that's a great run that, that she had. And, and um, you know, I don't know if anybody will ever get to it. I was going to say, I mean, you probably haven't even thought about it until I brought <laughs> no. it up. So I, 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 you're welcome. No. Um, and so obviously there's a lot of tough. It's tough to go undefeated, period. So it's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. And, and, I, and I don't want to dwell on Sydney, but we know how good she was. We also know how good she made her teammates. Have you noticed in preseason having to encourage them to maybe do something different or do more because they were used to Sydney being there? Yeah, in some ways. Uh, because if things were going bad, she's going to go make a play. Yeah. You know, I mean, she's going to go get a defensive rebound or she's going to do something on a defensive end to get a deflection to lead to a steal or something like that. And and on the offense, I mean, offense side of the ball, she's going to get a basket. Or yeah. she's going to she's going to draw enough a double team triple team to get somebody else a good a very good shot, and so that's been part of what we've we've talked about a lot is trying to continue that and, and figure out where all of it's coming from and, and having our, our players understand that it's going to be everybody you know it's to fill that role and, and that void to be able to make a play maybe Abby one game and maybe Nikki one game and maybe Madison Temple one quarter or, or somebody else Shelby Rupp or, or Kirsten Paul or somebody else that, that has to step in and, and do do those things uh, to a of course a, a lower level yeah um, than, than what Sydney would do it sure. but but still you know it's that security blanket is, is that we've we had for the last three years um, it's, it's not there and it, it takes time. I mean, when when she's that talented and can do those many things, and you, she's in the program for three years and helps make everybody around her better, leading the country in assists to turnover ratio last year. You know, it's while scoring 22 points a game after leading the country and scoring the, her first two years. I mean, it's that's a big loss, and uh, you know, but we're getting there, and, and it, it takes time. And if coaches tell you how great they're doing now, 
I, I don't know. They're doing <laughs> something. That, they're, they're, they got the magic formula that we yeah, don't have. I, I know that. I haven't heard that yet from any coach. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty used to not hearing that until about uh, Salem and, and uh, for you guys, Calvin, this next year. That's about the only time I hear anybody say they're doing well. Um, so what's the message of the team for against center on Tuesday? You'll play that game, obviously, on the road, heading a little bit south. Uh, message, do what we're supposed to do. You know, play, play together, play hard. Um, you know, it's a new season, new team. You know, and just try to establish our identity uh, for 2016-17, and uh, make sure that we're ready to go and, and continue to get better, so that we we can have a chance at, in February. Well, uh, it's certainly going to be fun to watch to see what you guys do this year as the new Saints. And as you said, you, you were good prior. You're probably going to be good after. Uh, we'll just see how it how it transitions from here. But uh, congratulations. Um, on once again that championship uh, in Indianapolis. It was a wonderful event. Uh, we look forward to uh, seeing what the Saints do the rest of the way. As always, give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, just, it's great to be back. It's great for uh, November 15th to be two days away. And, yeah. you know, wish everybody across the country good luck this season. Um, stay healthy. And uh, look forward to a great year of Division Three basketball. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, good luck, Coach. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Jeff Hans joining us from Thomas More. The Saints, again, 62 straight victories. Uh, If you skip out that one loss, they have 92 victories in 93 games in the last three seasons. It will change, but they're still going to be good, and they're a preseason number four team. Uh, One of the most amazing things was watching Sydney Moss in the championship because she wasn't the best player on the floor necessarily, and I just mean by production. She certainly was the best player. I just mean production-wise. She was not the go-to for the Thomas Moore Saints for a while. Second half, she turned it on, but with her teammates, and that's what drove them to a championship. They beat Tufts in that championship game in Indianapolis, and Tufts is a new preseason number one team. We will talk to their head coach on Hoopsville coming up. Carla Berube will join us. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. Again, Carla Berube. Up next here on Hoopsville. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, We understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes and to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, 
and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. The season uh, debut of this show this year. Um, hope you're enjoying it. Uh, we will be on the air Sundays and Thursdays at 7 o'clock Eastern time, except for next Sunday. Coming off of the Hoopsville Classic, we will be a little bit exhausted. We'll also have done a number of interviews with the coaches taking part in that event. And so those interviews will substitute for our show. But we'll be back on the air the following Sunday uh, for a run right through December. December is going to be a little bit w- busy as we balance uh, a soccer as well. I'll be down in Salem calling the uh, soccer championships. Um, and we will... Um, then also have Stag Bowl. I'll be in Salem 10 days apart. <laughs> it's going to be a little crazy. Um, and then, obviously, we have the D3Hoops.com Classic. So we'll be mixing shows in when we can throughout the month of December. But again, starting last year, we now do these shows on Sundays in November and December to give Division Three a little bit more attention than it certainly deserves. Got questions for us? Tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com. Slash Hoopsville. Uh, so the team that Thomas Moore defeated in the national championship, and it was a great game. Was the Tom? Uh, the, was the Tufts Jumbos? Tufts, its reward, as it were, is now they're the preseason number one team. What does that all mean? Who knows? But one person we can certainly get an insight on the Jumbos from is their head coach, and Carla Baruby joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for thanks for having me. Absolutely. First and foremost, I know it was a loss, um, and that's tough to get over, especially when you get all the way to Indianapolis and get a chance to play in front of everybody. But how much have you guys appreciated in the long run the fact you got to play in Indianapolis on the floor of Division One and in front of all those great fans? Yeah, it was uh, it was an incredible experience to say the least. Um, what the NCAA did for us in Division Two and and putting us on that stage, um, just a just a tremendous experience for for my players, um, for my staff, for the administration, for our alumni. Um, it was it was unreal. Um, it was it was you know they treated us like like rock stars and and like the you know the, the Division One team. So. Um, yeah, I mean it's dumb to have, to have gotten all the way there and, and not and I'll come out with a win, but um, just the the memories and those experiences will will definitely last a lifetime. And that was a heck of a game. Um, you guys, your team played well. I mean, I think people started going, huh? Maybe the Jumbos can pull this off late in that game. And obviously, uh, we won't dwell on that game necessarily. But you had to be proud with how your team was able to to, to get there and really put it to the Saints for a while. Yeah, I mean, I think that we, um, you know, our, the, the defensive game plan went, you know, according to what we we wanted it to, and 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 did a great job on on Sydney, and you know, it's pick your poison, you know, take <laughs> yeah. her away or or put it in the hands of you know somebody else to to make plays, and and so in in, in the long run, it was just, we couldn't we couldn't put the biscuit in the basket, you know, to put it, <laughs> um, you know, just had trouble scoring down yeah. the down the stretch, and um, but. You know, we were right there. Um, you know, made it a game in the in the fourth quarter and, and a great comeback. And um, but Thomas Moore was such a tough team on both ends of the floor. And 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 you know, like Jeff was saying, you know, they you know they had a great team outside and they have a great t- team outside of of Sydney. And and that's not going to change for I'm sure a long time. 
you're right. Um, but we'll see what happens. Obviously, as the season moves on, you guys now have the target a little bit on your back as being the preseason number one. Obviously, uh, the conference is going to be tough, as it always is, especially at the top. You'll start the season off on Friday when you'll play Keene State at Skidmore, and then you'll play Skidmore on Saturday. You've got uh, Wheaton on your radar as well. Brandeis is on the radar uh, of teams. You'll then go to Williams and play St. Lawrence and Clarkson. Uh, you've got an interesting collection of uh, University of New England, who was a tournament team last year. Mm-hmm. Bridgewater State. Um, you've got an interesting collection of teams outside a conference that you're going to play. You're not shying away from the tough competition. No, I don't think we, we ever do. We want to play the best teams you know, that we can in, in New England. We've got Eastern Connecticut and Babson in, in January and Emmanuel, all you know, NCAA mm-hmm. teams. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we, you know, not, not only playing in, you know, the one of the best conferences in the country and in, in the NESCAC, but um, we want to challenge ourselves, you know, outside of the conference as well. Um, so that's what we do. Michaela North, Josie Lee, uh, Katie Hicks, your three seniors on this team. Um, and then you actually have quite a bit of youth. You've got a, a good number of juniors, a couple of sophomores and a lot of freshmen what's what's the goal in the terms of the team this year? And I'm not talking record. I'm not talking whether you win the conference or, or how far you go in the NCAA tournament. What's the goal internally with the team of of what you want to accomplish as the year goes on internally? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's getting better each and every day, both individually and collectively as a team. Um, it's, it's staying together. It's um, developing you know, chemistry. Um, and that's, that's going to happen throughout the season. Um, you know, we, we don't have that many practices under our belt, you know, right. since starting on November 1st. So it's, um, it's a work in progress. And I like the way, um, we're working, um, day in and day out. I like, I really like our, our leadership. Um, our freshmen are, are coming along and, and I like the experienced players, what, what they're, what they're showing so far. So, um, but it is definitely um, a work in progress, and I'm, I'm looking forward to to how we we build day in and day out. What do we expect of this conference? Um, obviously, yourselves on top uh, with Amherst. Amherst is certainly going to be in the mix this season. Um, I, I can't imagine they wouldn't be. GP Gormacki's always <laughs> there. Bowden last year was in there with 22 and seven and eight and two in the conference. Connecticut College was tough. Colby was tough. Williams always with Pat Williams is a tough team. Is this a two-horse race with you guys and Amherst? Is this a deeper conference than maybe we're used to seeing um, in the sense of four or five, maybe six teams who can play a role? What what do you expect if you read the tea leaves? Oh, absolutely. This is not a a two-horse race. This is a deep NESCAC um, season for sure. I know. Um, a lot of a lot of the the teams have some some great returners and some I know some really top newcomers and and I think we have some of the best coaches in the country in our in our league so we know that every Friday night Saturday afternoon mm-hmm. it's going to be a battle um, no matter who we're playing and um, and just looking forward to it hopefully we get our machine running well for for that NESCAC season because we know how how competitive it is. Um, back to Indianapolis quickly. If if nobody really knows your background, you obviously played at UConn under Geno, um, and it was kind of cool to see them show up for your game, even if they couldn't stay for the whole time. They obviously have obligations as much as anybody else. Um, but, you know, donning the colors, as it were, and giving you guys support, what was it like to get to Indianapolis 
and be able to bring your team there where your coach was there as well? Yeah, it was really special. Um, it was amazing that they that they came and and he was there watching along with with his staff and and a lot of people know this, but the the Husky um, pet band played yes. for us. Yes. Um, so that was really neat that 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 happened as well. And, Learned your um, fight song, I believe, in the in the previous twenty four hours. They did. And it was it was amazing and um, just the whole experience. But but having you know you know a lot of UConn fans were at the game and, mm-hmm. and alumni were there to to support us and um, you know Husky Blue uh, you know we we bleed so um, <laughs> and you know forever and and I'm really proud of um, you know where I came from and um, it just you know everyone is is loyal there it's a, it's a big family so it was uh, it was a tremendous experience. Technically, you guys don't bleed blue all that often because you don't lose that often at, at UConn. <laughs> uh, there's right, not many don't. dings on the armor all that often. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This season might be a little different. But it does I'm lose sure a ton. Got, yeah, he's yeah. got something up his sleeve, I'm sure. I was going to say, it's Gino. It's kind of like Pat Summit back mm-hmm. in the day. She always had a, a trick up her sleeve as well, and you would pull it off. Yeah. Well, Coach, mm-hmm. appreciate you chatting. I don't want to take too much of your time. I know you got plenty to work on ahead of Friday's game against Keene State, uh, and then obviously Skidmore, another you know NCAA tournament caliber team um to take on and so there's a lot ahead and i know we will probably chat with you somewhere down the road um but as always uh, i do appreciate you taking the time and as always I, I give the coach the final word any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in yeah i'd love to just um congratulate our field hockey team making it to the final four yeah. our uh, volley- volleyball team now in the elite eight heading out to wisconsin our men's soccer just won tonight as well heading to the sweet 16 our football team just ended their season seven and one this yeah record in 20 years so it's um just exciting times um here in, in medford and um and also just excited for for the season and um and thanks for for all you do dave it's it's going to be i'm sure an, an exciting uh season oh i completely agree and by the way i think the pressure is off i think the fall sports took care of all the expectations this season i think you're Ab- good to go absolutely yeah <laughs> <laughs> well coach thanks so much uh i appreciate you taking the time and we'll look forward to talking to you down the road all right sounds great Carla Baruby joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate her taking the time. Normally, we would take a break here uh, and go on to do our final segment. But because we're running behind time, I do have a couple notes I want to get done. So we'll wrap up the show uh, now, um, if you don't mind. Quickly, though, uh, Tufts women's basketball team, certainly good. Watch out for the Tufts men's basketball team this year, too. Coach Sheldon should have a pretty good squad on his side. Uh, and that's true with across the board and almost all of our guests tonight. St. Thomas women, a top 10 team, they're going to be good. Uh, Amherst women, we, we talk to GP Gromacki all the time. They're always a good squad. They're going to be right in the mix of it, as always. Uh, I heard a little bird tell me he thinks GP can go undefeated this season. That's a tall order, especially when you got toughs in the conference. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Thomas Moore men, maybe the only ones who won't be on a lot of people's radar, but they can certainly feed off the women and be talented. And we mentioned again the Tufts women. And I want to, you know, obviously we have Haverford. Uh, we had Haverford's coach on talking about the committee, but you know Haverford's going to be in the mix in the Centennial, which is going to be very deep this season. And Kevin Vanderstreet, Kelvin's always in the mix at the top of the MIAA, which will be Hope again. It will be Alma, despite losses for both teams of talented players. The MIAA will be fun to watch. Uh, as well. So keep an eye on all of that. It is going to be another exciting season. couple of housekeeping notes. Speaking of the Northeast, we mentioned Wheaton of Massachusetts earlier. 
I bring them up because Melissa Hodgson, who's a friend of the show, has a great event going on. I'm going to show you a screenshot of the card they're handing out. Little Angels of Warren Powers Memorial Fund. Uh, Cheryl Warren Powers was a former player for Wheaton. She was 39 and unfortunately passed four days after giving birth to those two cuties, Jordan and Craig. She was the first basketball player, uh, actually, at, at Bishop Freehan High School, um, and then was a standout softball athlete uh, and played at Wheaton College, where she played both sports. Um, she actually coached uh, at the local high school level as well. Um, she, anyway, passed. And so they do this every year. And forgive me, i got to find this link, because Melissa shared an awesome link with me. Um, you're going to see it pop up here, so forgive me as I scroll in here. I want to call this up because uh, the kids, yeah, this is last year's video. I'll give it just a few seconds and you see the, see the, uh, the kids. The kids are great. Uh, they're pretty awesome. Very uh, awesome kid. So they're going to have their game coming up. Uh, their opening game is always a fundraiser. Uh, and they will do so again. We're going to watch this video because these two are just too adorable. Um, Everything is great. It's a fundraiser, and and I can't. We always love to point out these types of things, and we still we certainly hope you will maybe recognize this squad. Uh, maybe go to their game if you're in the Northeast, so you can donate to the memorial fund that helps these two kids out. Um, they deserve it, that is for sure. Um, and so we, we hope you'll take advantage of that. Uh, again, uh, donation card. Um, this is this is all for a good cause, as it were. As now we get back to some highlights, so we'll click out of that. Um, but again, um, it, it's just it's a wonderful um, opportunity um, to help two kids out whose mother passed and is is obviously near and dear to the Wheaton family. So check them out. Uh, go to the game if you can there in Wheaton, Mass uh, Wheaton College in Massachusetts, um, and uh, enjoy some good Division Three basketball for starters. Um, but more importantly, um, give give back to a uh, give back to a family. Um, by the way, they uh, that opening game, the the Memorial Tip Off tournament, will be against New Jersey City on Friday. Then there's a TBA because there's a couple other games. There was another game taking place played on Saturday. Friday's games at uh, or the. Friday's games at 5.30. It's a whole weekend, obviously, is the Memorial T Tournament, so that helps that that fund. Uh, and then we mentioned Wheaton will take uh, we'll travel to Tufts on the 22nd. I'm sure we'll have Melissa on the show somewhere down the road. But, you know, check it out. It, it is a, it's a worthy cause and certainly deserves some recognition. Another bit of housekeeping this year. Um, we are going to be debuting some advertising opportunities for any college or conference out there. Uh, we were hoping to get more of the word out prior to this, but we haven't had the opportunity, but we will do so down the road. Um, if anybody's interested in advertising on the show, you see how much we run and you saw some of the NCAA PSAs and D3 hoops type stuff. The NABC has some ads on our air. If you're interested, get in touch with me. We will get in touch with others. Uh, just a little bit of a twist in our fundraising efforts for the future. Again, we will be on the air Sundays and Thursdays, uh, seven o'clock Eastern time for the most part. Again, we'll be on this Thursday and next Sunday. We will not be on the air as we will be bringing the coaches interviews from, uh, from Hoopsville weekend. Uh, the Hoopsville Classic. We will talk more about the Hoopsville Classic on Thursday, but if you have a chance to go to Stevenson University and watch some great games on Friday and Saturday, 2, 4, 6, and 8 o'clock Eastern Time, I certainly encourage you to do so. If not, we will be broadcasting those games, as always, in conjunction with Stevenson University. I want to thank them in advance for their assistance with that. 
And then moving forward, uh, we'll be back on the air shortly after Thanksgiving and on the air quite a bit throughout that um, month of December. Just stay with our calendar, which we'll update on our website as well, uh, et cetera, et cetera. For the most part, on Sundays, we will try and cover the, the usual suspects, though in the first few months it's a little harder. But Northeast, East, I'm sorry, Northeast, um, Atlantic, South, um, and Central regions. And then on Thursday nights, we'll primarily try and cover the East, Mid-Atlantic Great Lakes and West with a little bit of South as well, but we will mix and match that a little bit in the first couple of weeks. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you for tuning in for the season debut. We will get to talk to some of the newer coaches and talk to some regional um, coaches or regional reporters in the coming weeks. If you've got questions for us, have guest ideas, uh, whatever the case may be, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. The season starts on the 15th. Look for D3Hoops.com for some uh, brand new material. I know I will be putting on uh, my Top 25 blog. I know it's a little late. Sorry, I've been a pretty busy in crossover season here with football, soccer, and basketball. Uh, but I'll put my preseason ballot on there. But I'm not going to go through all the teams. All I'll basically do is give you my ballot and give you some of my thoughts of the upcoming season, teams to watch and such not. That will come out this week as well. Um, don't forget, Tuesday is the official start to the season. We have games that are going to be starting uh, at midnight, Monday into Tuesday night. Um, so check those out as well. Of course, D3Hoops.com, your source for everything Division Three basketball-related. Uh, and we hope you won't, you'll be a friend. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for tuning in. If you got, uh, We'll be back on the air Thursday, uh, 7 o'clock Eastern. Too early to say who our exact guests are, but you know us. We always come up with some good ones, and you can always follow us on Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Facebook to find out. Thanks to all our guests, Kevin Vandestreek from Calvin College, Bobby um, Morgan from Haverford College, John Tower from St. Thomas, Dave Hickson from Amherst, Jeff Hans from Thomas More, and Carlo Berube from Tufts, and also thanks to their sports information staffs for their assistance as well. Thanks for tuning in tonight. We got up, got off and running. I'm sure we missed some of the key stories that we haven't had time to cover, but we'll cover them in the next couple of shows as well. We have plenty to talk about in Division Three and plenty of shows to do it. We hope you will make Hoopsville a part of your Division Three season throughout the season. Even if you can't watch us live, don't forget about the archives and the podcasts as well. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you back here Thursday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time, for everybody who made this show possible. Thank you. And once again, follow us on, hoops, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Good night, everybody. And thanks to the NFL.